Hi, it's Candy O'Terry. Welcome to another episode of the story behind her success. This story is a lesson in reinvention because the woman you are about to meet thought she wanted to go to law school. And then she took a sharp left-hand turn and she became a reporter and a news anchor. Until one day, a friend said, you know, you're so warm and honest and outgoing. I bet you'd make a really good real estate broker. Well, with one child already born and another one on the way, she gave real estate a try. And that was a good idea because today she is a residential real estate superstar in the Boston area. She's recognized as Pinnacle Residential's Real Estate Broker of the Year. And she's been a top broker for 12 years. The truth is, I've known her since she was a teenager. And it was wonderful to invite her to come over to my house and catch up on her life, including how she got to where she is today and all the bumps along the way. And don't worry, because this interview was conducted practicing social distancing. Her name, Terry Adler. And this is her story. I was looking for a house in Wellesley. And Elaine Bannigan with Pinnacle Residential Properties was my broker. And all of a sudden she said to me, we're out looking in houses, you should be a broker. And I looked at her like she had 10 heads and thinking to myself, no way, that's the cheesiest thing. How am I ever going to go from being a TV reporter anchor to being a real estate agent? But I would be doing a live shot in a snowstorm in Winchenden, for example, at Sunday at 11, I'd put down my mic and Elaine would call me. And she did this five or six times. And she'd say, you have two children at home. You should not be in Winchenden. You should be home with your family. Come work for me. And she was persistent. And so finally, I always loved houses, loved my dad, always had a side business where he rented properties on the Cape and owned houses. He loved working around the house. So I really got that love from him. And I love decorating. You know, I'm, I always joke, I'm a frustrated designer and builder myself. So anyway, so one of my friends who I grew up with who happened to live in Wellesley said, you know what, we're moving to LA. Why don't you just try selling my house? So I said, okay. So of course, you know, my first house in a beautiful neighborhood in Wellesley, the buyer walks in off the street. I get the buyer and the seller both sides. And she asks me to sell her condo in Wayland. And I think this is so easy right? Which I now know it's not so easy. And it just took off from there. When um, you look back on that period in your life, does it shock you to see that you handled both of those jobs and two babies and a pregnancy all at the same time? <laughs> yes, uh, only because I'm older and I'm much more tired. <laughs> but, you know, I've just always had that drive. It's just kind of who I am. Well, speaking of drive, uh, yeah, what does it take to be successful? in real estate, what are the attributes that you think are essential for an agent or a broker? I think it's different for everyone because a lot of what we do to start off with to attract ourselves to buyers is our marketing and you kind of have to figure out who you are, right? I think that of the top brokers in this area, everyone has their profile of who they are, their style. And I can't speak for everyone else, but for me, it's authenticity. When I was making the transition, I was trying to be like the other brokers. You know, do I be Miss Fancy Pants in Wellesley? Do I be all business? Do I, you know, what, what do I do? Who am I? Who am I? And how do I differentiate myself? Not that my business ever really struggled, but it just wasn't clicking for me. And I'd go into comparative market analysis with clients. It just wasn't clicking. And then I took some time with a brand consultant and really kind of just explored who I was and in this new life. And for me, what's the most important thing is authenticity, being around people who are real 
and thoughtful and kind and hardworking and successful because of all those things. Take the pulse of the market right now as we come to the finish line in a year we all would like to forget as soon as possible. Take the pulse of the market. How are we doing? The market is fantastic. It's mostly young families or first-time homebuyers or just families in general, people in general coming from Boston who um, want more space, who want outdoor space. They want parking because of COVID. Um, Boston's clearly struggled a lot more than we have. So that's been our main segment of the market, as well as people within town who are realizing just how important home is and they need more spaces. They need different spaces now. The segment that we're missing, of course, are the relocation buyers. And this area is very, very big for businesses hiring people and relocating here. So we, we are missing that segment, but we haven't felt the void because everyone else has stepped up to make up the difference. COVID has changed everything. How has it changed the real estate market in terms of protocol and showing a property and keeping mm -hmm. people safe? That's a great question. I'm proud to say that, you know, since I've been in and out of houses since the end of March, I stopped for a few weeks and that was just holding deals together. And then we got back right out there. As far as I'm aware, there has not been any one becoming infected because of what we do. Everyone is encouraged to wear masks. At the beginning, everyone had gloves on. That's no longer the case. I asked people to take their shoes off. We social distance. Open houses can be trickier. If it's a very hot property, there are lines out the door and everyone just has to be patient. I let one person upstairs, one person downstairs, and then we swap as people come in. The first one I did in the spring, it was a little overwhelming. I didn't realize someone was upstairs and another person went up and they got upset. You know, I so you're definitely balancing that, but everyone is really respectful and it's been great. Reading your customers. This is something that I think is just so fantastic about really successful people in real estate. I think you need to be able to read your customer, watching their body language versus talking a lot. What do you think about that? I agree 100%. I, I always say to people that being a good real estate agent isn't always about talking, it's about listening, right? That's such a great skill that many people don't have. You know, we love to hear ourselves speak and I'm guilty of that as well. In sales, there's something called mirroring. And that's what I think differentiates a really strong salesperson from one who's not, is that when you meet someone at the front door, I'm really sizing them up in 30 seconds so that I can tailor the showing to their needs, right? So that it, the house speaks to them and their needs. Because, you know, if there's just two of them, I'm not gonna play up that there's six bedrooms, they'll see them for themselves. But, you know, let's, let's think of creative ways they could use it. If someone's very quiet and reserved, then I'm not gonna be screaming and quite gregarious. And so you have to adjust your energy. You definitely have to adjust your energy because we want people to feel comfortable. You know, buying a house is really, for most people, one of the biggest things they'll ever buy. It's your biggest asset, right? It's a lot of money and they deserve that. A house is also an emotional connection as well. We're sitting here in my living room in a home that was built in 1928. And this house hadn't been on the market in a very long time. The same family had lived here for about 50 years. And when we walked in the door, the house looked nothing like it looks now. Sometimes when you buy an older home, you have to have vision. You have to be able to see what the potential in it is. But it was filled with a feeling of cozy and family. 
the minute we walked in the door. Do you see that when you're helping people find a home? Yes, completely. One of my clients who I love just gave me a mug that said, full-time realtor, part-time therapist, because there is such that emotional aspect to it. You can tell when someone comes in and they feel a house. And, and, and they when they have, don't. And when they don't. If they don't want to see the basement, probably not the house for them. What is the most expensive home you have ever sold? And how did that feel when you did it? Probably a house in Weston I sold that was $6.8 million, which was a lovely custom build by a wonderful architect and builder. And that was a really fun project. More recently sold a house in Lincoln that was owned by a childhood friend. We, I've known him since the day he was born and he built a contemporary farmhouse on the most beautiful piece of land in Lincoln that I've ever seen. And anyone who walked into that house and saw the grounds and the light and the love that went to the house, literally I had to pull them off the floor because there was such an emotional reaction to this house. And I felt so much love for this family that had built it. Whether it's a $5 million house or a $500,000 house, whether you're family or just a client, it really is all the same to me. What are the keys to success in your industry, would you say? If you were sitting down talking to a young woman who wanted to get started in this business, what would you say to her? I think hard work really is such a big key to it. And you have to really be a self-starter because this is a commission-based business. There's no salary. You're paying for everything yourself. You're paying for your health insurance. You have to get up and make it happen. And not everyone has that in them. My son-in-law is a real estate agent, very successful. And he says he likes it because he's in charge of it. He can keep moving that goalpost as far as he wants to, to make as much money as he wants to, because it's all about his own efforts. Yes. Very true. true, That's the entrepreneurial spirit. Along with success comes responsibility, and you're very involved in quite a few charities. Tell me a little bit about them. I have a special needs child who's 18, and I've been very involved in organizations in the area for special needs children. And I just feel that it's so important for us to give back to the community that has supported us and my family with our differences and Allie's differences. So Lovelane Special Needs Horseback Riding in Lincoln is a place where she's been riding for 15 years. She started when she's three and she's 18 and still goes every Monday. And so I tend to do fundraising for them and support them in any way that I can. Anything having to do with children in our towns, I'm always happy to donate to. And then a a dear friend in town has a beautiful connection with St. Jude's Children's Hospital in Tennessee. And so I've been on the board for an event that we've had in Wellesley for that as well. And that's an incredibly wonderful place. Our childhood molds us and shapes us. So we want to know all about yours. Where are you from? And tell me a little bit about your family. So I was born out in California, where my dad was at Stanford. My parents met out there, but they decided when I was young that they wanted to raise us on the East Coast. They had said, if we stayed in California, you would have been divorced by 13 and definitely in show business, which is probably true. So (laughs) I was raised out here in Wayland, Massachusetts. I have amazing parents who, to this day, have a condo in Wayland, and then they're in California and Cape Cod. They've been fortunate to have a wonderful retirement. My dad was an engineer, very, very smart man, and my mom was a college counselor. 
which comes in handy, and was the <laughs> Needham High School college counselor for 20 years. So she's well known in the area as well. What was the vibe like in your house when you were growing up? What was the work ethic? What was expected of you? I always say that my dad especially raised me with no limitations in terms of what I could do. And my mom was a great role model in that she worked and was very involved. But my dad, when I was four years old, would sit me down with a newspaper and teach me how to read the stock market. You know, he taught me about the houses that he was buying. He taught me everything about business. And when I got into TV, he was not happy. He wanted me to go to business school and he would have pamphlets sent to me. You know, he definitely had a vision of what he wanted me to do. Um, And I may have taken some other turns to get where he wants me to be, wanted me to be, but it's been great. I met you when you were in college. You were a lifeguard and a swimming instructor at a place called the Meadowbrook Day Camp where I've been teaching children how to swim for decades and decades. And back then, I do remember a conversation with you At that point, I was on the radio and I remember you saying, someday I'm going to be on television. (laughs) You had it in your head all that time. So let's go back to you graduate from college. How did you make your way in television? Well, there's a story for everything. So I did toy with becoming an attorney. And so I went to Georgetown into Washington, D.C. my junior year and lived with a bunch of women from Tufts. And quite honestly, all the attorneys were quite unhappy and they would each take me out to lunch and tell me not to become an attorney. But my roommate at the time was working with Katie Couric, who was covering Mayor Barry at the time, who has some troubles there in Washington, D.C. And I would meet them for lunch and their stories were amazing. I was so enthralled by everything that they were doing and covering. So went back to my college, which is Lafayette College in Pennsylvania, my senior year, and I got an internship for the NBC affiliate in Philadelphia and worked for Herb Denenberg, who was quite famous out there as their consumer reporter. We were out covering some consumer story, I forget, and sadly, Senator Heinz's plane crashed in the schoolyard a block from where we were. We were literally the first people there. We started broadcasting right there. I wasn't on TV, I was helping Herb. The networks came in, of course, very quickly, and we were working, 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 and Worked till about midnight that night. You got a taste for it. Yeah, right away. And it was a horrible, horrible tragedy, of course, in so many ways. But, you know, I had that rush where I loved what I was doing. And so I was hooked. From there, went to Cape Cod and worked at Cape 11 News. And then got my car and dropped off a tape at every TV station in New England. And then got a call from a startup in Portland. The Fox affiliate was starting up and I got paid $6 an hour to do weekends. Finally got a full-time job and became the weekend anchor there. And then from there went to New Hampshire. WMUR is the ABC affiliate now owned by Hearst here in Boston. Worked there for a year, went to Hartford for two years and then got the job in Boston. A lot of people don't realize that there are so many steps involved in creating a career. You've talked about going from the Cape to New Hampshire to Hartford, all these smaller markets, and then you make it all the way into Boston at WHDH and at WBZ. How did that feel when you got there? It was amazing to be in my hometown. I thought that maybe I wouldn't do it and I was going to go get my MBA after Hartford. And then my agent said to me, you just, you need to go. It's, it's Boston. It's where you're from. And HDH at the time was really a trendsetter. They were changing the way news was done. It was faster. It was slicker. And they were disruptors. 
So I didn't know if their style matched who I was. I thought maybe I was more a Channel 5 girl, a little more conservative. But I got there and I took it and I had such a great run there. And to this day, you know, some of my best friends or the people I worked with or started off with in the market there. And and it was great. In some ways, Candy, my husband and I, who's also was in television, you know, it's we identify ourselves in some ways still as that. We had a little joke where we both said we never met a microphone we didn't love. What did you learn as a broadcaster that you have brought with you in real estate? Storytelling. I learned to be a great storyteller on TV. You could give me the tree in your front yard and I could write a story about it. And when we're selling a home or I'm selling myself, I'm telling you the story. You'll find the facts of a house, but you want the emotion that comes with a house. That's what sells, that's what's important to people. And so I'm able to translate the storyline of a house or a buyer or a seller so that people accept it and feel it and want it or want me, the story of me. Becoming a mom is life-changing. And you've mentioned that you have three daughters. Tell me a little bit about each one of them. I have Alexandra, who I mentioned, Allie, who is 18 and she has an intellectual disability. And, you know, we discovered that when she was young. And what was that like? That was very hard. That was the hardest thing. Did you have an intuition that something was wrong? No, because she was my first. So I had no idea. And it was, you know, looking back, it was very hard. She cried a lot. She had trouble eating. She had a lot of signs that obviously I would have seen with my second or third daughter. But it was the toughest time of our lives, both my husband and I, when she was younger. Now that she's 18, she's come so far. She is a wonderful, giving, kind woman, young woman. She voted for the first time this year, which was amazing. And everyone in the room was there to support her. And she said to the person, I have a disability. Can my mom come with me? Brings tears to my eyes. Um, <laughs> she was at the public school and she was quite vocal that that did not work for her. And she's in a great program now out of Medway, Massachusetts at their high school, which I can't say enough about. And I have made some wonderful friends and met such wonderful people through Allie. And she is someone who brings people together and she's a gift. Did you find that you needed to be even more of a mama bear with her? No, that's not how we decided to raise her. Jeff and I decided that we weren't gonna let her be defined by her disability and we weren't gonna let our family be defined by her disability. Tell me about your second child. So Anna is kind of my quieter one and where did that come from? I don't know. <laughs> Does, would not want to be sitting here, I don't think, with the microphone, and whereas Allie would. But, and she's just a wonderful woman, too. And she, young woman, and I'm really especially proud of her. She just created a fundraiser for Rosie's Place, uh, where she was co collecting money and gift cards, and she's delivering that next week. She's very, very good at school and loves learning and teachers and decided she was going to have a bat mitzvah on her own when she was 11 and learned Hebrew and got out there and just dazzled everyone. She's a really amazing young woman and she's gonna do great things in the world. And what about your baby? And then my baby is 10 and she is a gymnast. So 20 hours a week in the gym, which is a lot for a young girl. She's quite talented at it, very even and very giving and 
everyone loves to be around, very funny, laid back. She's the third. She's the typical third. I always like to ask moms if they could give me their definition of what mother love is. It's a special kind of love, isn't it? It is. For me, it's especially as they get older, it's this pride that I have in them that I've never felt before. It just fills you. As they get older, the mother love changes because I see the results of who they are as people and I'm so proud of their accomplishments. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? We've been talking a lot about this in our house because when you're a teenager, obstacles can be overwhelming sometimes. I'm just a doer. I sit down, okay, how are we gonna, how are we gonna tackle this? How are we gonna get around it? What are the different paths we have to do it? And let's just do it. Go for it. What do you wish you knew, Terry, when you first got started on your career path? I wish I had known that there's really no blueprint for your life and that just because you go to a certain college or you get into a certain sorority or you have this group of friends, life is gonna take you in places you never imagined and you have to be able to bend and go with it because if you don't, then that's really gonna stop you from growing and moving forward. What's the best piece of advice or wisdom you've ever received? And it can be professional, it can be personal, but I wonder if you could pass it along to our listeners. Sure. It's from an obscure woman who I know of and I know where she lives still, but I'm not, not a good friend or anything. I was at Katerina Bandini's wedding shower. You may remember Katerina. She was the anchor of Channel 7 when I was, and I was where I was. And I was really struggling with leaving television to do this real estate thing. And this woman, I was telling this woman the story who was quite successful in her own right with a startup at the time. And she looked at me and she said, have you ever failed at anything? And I thought, and I said, well, no, I mean, not, not really failed, failed. Like I run into trouble and then I try to fix it. She goes, have you ever failed? And I said, no, I guess I've never really failed. And she goes, well, why would you fail at this? And I thought about it and I said, you're right. If I work hard and, you know, and if it doesn't work out, that's fine. But, but why would I all of a sudden fail at this? So I know that sounds, it's a little out there, but, but it, it, um, it stuck with me. And then I took the plunge. I believe that the way we see success is often where we are in our lives. So if I'd asked you this question when you were a TV anchor, you'd probably have a different answer. If I'd asked this question of you when you and I were working together teaching children how to swim and you were a teenager, you'd have a different answer. Terry Adler, right now, award-winning, very successful real estate agent. And by the way, congratulations on the Terry Adler group as well. What does success mean to you? Well, success professionally means to me that stability, right? That I feel comfortable and happy and in a good place professionally and that I'm growing and that I'm surrounded by people that lift me up. And um, I, think, I think for me, it's that. And then success also, it sounds so cliche, is just for my kids and my family to be happy and healthy. I want to say thank you so much for being our guest this week on the story behind her success. Terry Adler, congratulations. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here. 
If you know someone that I should interview, reach out anytime. Tell me about her. Candy at CandyOterry.com. And thank you so much for listening to the story behind her success. What's your story?